Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm Dominic Vogel, and joining me uh, each and every week is my co-host, Christian Retshaw. Christian. Here as always. Yeah, here as always. Um, we're really looking forward to today's episode. We have Michelle McClure uh, joining us from Missouri, um, U.S. Uh, USA. USA, uh, quite a ways from where we are in Vancouver. <laughs> but uh, Michelle, we're really looking forward to having you on the show today. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for asking. Fantastic. So first question is a question that we ask all of our guests, and um, it's uh, hopefully an easier question to, to start off with, but would love it if you could share a little bit about your personal and your career narrative, sort of what's brought you to where you are today, just so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Sure. So um, from the time I was just a little girl, I was always fa uh, fascinated and passionate about um, justice, solving injustices. I was uh, very interested in getting into criminal justice after high school. I actually joined the military um, after high school as a military police officer. And then uh, after the military, I joined um, a, well, I got into various broad related role, roles. Um, so in the retail industry, um, investigating organized retail crime, loss prevention, et cetera. And I really enjoyed that. Um, but the evolution was through my education and experience that I wanted to handle more financial uh, crimes on more of the administrative side. And so eventually um, I started working at MasterCard and fraud. I've been at MasterCard for over 11 years now. And so when I originally started at MasterCard, I was managing fraud on behalf of our customers who are banks. And so I was helping them develop their fraud strategies, implementing technologies that would help reduce the risk of fraud losses while enabling their customers, their cardholders and such to continue making transactions successfully. Um, being in the fraud world was, you know, very interesting and I love that, but then cybersecurity was really becoming more of a prominent upcoming uh, path for me. And so I decided to get some additional education in cybersecurity realm, uh, receive my certified information security professional certification and some other collegiate level education. Um, ultimately, I moved over into corporate security and took over our identity and access management organization. Um, and that was definitely very educational because it's incredibly difficult. Anyone can tell you in the cybersecurity world, identity access is just a beast. And um, but definitely um, taught me so much about how impactful technology is working <laughs> is to an organization, how it sets you up for success or failure. Eventually, I was offered an opportunity to move over as the Fusion Center director, and I've been in that role for about three years now. And in the Fusion Center, uh, the Fusion Center concept actually came from the government and spurred up after 9-11 terrorist attacks. Um, it, they did multiple post-mortems to determine how that could have been avoided. And what they identified was that there were so many people who had bits and pieces of information. Had they been talking to each other and sharing information, could have potentially prevented that attack from occurring. And so in the public sector, they created the Fusion Center methodology or model to pull people together from different parts of the industry, different uh, organizations to constantly be communicating and sharing information. And that's what we do on the corporate side as well. We work with public sector, private sector, our customers, multiple business units inside of the company. And many corporations are actually adopting this model as well. And so we sync up with those organizations as well. So it's like a network of networks, if you will. And we're just constantly trying to keep each other informed and stay ahead of, of cyber criminals. That's an awesome narrative. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're ahead of me already, Michelle, because you answered my first question about the Fusion Center. 
Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, in your opinion, getting into cyber threats, what is the biggest cyber threat that businesses face today? That's part A. Part B is what can they do to mitigate it? The biggest cyber threat are humans. Um, the unintentional insider threat, the intentional insider threat, but um, humans bring substantial risks, you know, by nature into our organization. They make mistakes. Um, phishing, for example, is one of the top ways that cyber criminals are able to infiltrate organizations and cause catastrophic um, cybersecurity events. The breaches that you see on TV or, you know, listen about in podcasts, et cetera, are, are very frequently started with a phishing email um, that someone took the bait and clicked on that email. And then the bad guys were able to infiltrate that network slowly over time. You don't notice that there's a problem at first, but eventually, um, you know, they, they attack. And so I think educating your employees, if you're thinking about it from a corporation perspective, or if you're in the government, you know, why would you be a particular target for a cyber criminal um, in your personal life? Making sure that you are using good cyber hygiene um, and educating your family and friends on different types of social engineering attacks. And that, that to me is the top. Um, and I think for many security professionals, um, the human element. I would definitely take that as a, an educated um, opinion, a perspective, since you're correlating so much information at the Fusion Center with all of the networks. You're probably seeing that as a reoccurring theme. And a lot of the trouble that's that's arising. So uh, I really I really value that perspective. Um, what would you say to an organization that is saying, you know, our our data isn't really uh, that valuable, or we've been fine so far. Cyber risks have never been a problem. How would something, for example, like ransomware, kind of shoot an arrow through that uh, that belief? I would say that it's never a problem until it is a problem, and ransomware, um, while we're seeing a reduction in significant ransomware attacks over the recent years, um, it is because of education around the simple operational practices that you can put in place to prevent those from occurring, such as backing up your data, um, making sure that you know data is tagged correctly as far as the sensitivity level, um, and making sure that only the right people have access to that. But then again, tying back into that social engineering, educating your folks on, you know, avoiding clicking on links and recognizing suspicious emails, because a lot of times cyber threat actors are able to infiltrate and implement that ransomware into your network through that avenue. Michelle, I, I want to uh, shift gears just a little bit, uh, focusing maybe on the on the little humans. <laughs> I know recently you, you authored a, a children's book, Sam and Molly, Stay Safe uh, While Gaming, I think it was called. Um, could you tell me, uh, tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to write that? And also maybe a part two, part two to that is um, how can parents uh, better educate and help their children uh, be safe online? As a cybersecurity professional and a mother of small children, I love and care about my children. I don't want them to get into the bad situations that I know exist on the interwebs. And so just trying to amalgamate the um, experience that I have on both sides and the passion that I have for stopping cyber criminals, but also I definitely don't want those cyber criminals targeting my children. Um, and so the best way that I've learned to 
get things to resonate with children is to get on their level and understand the things that they're interested in and explain things in a way that they understand. Um, and so my son, for example, really loves reading books and, you know, uh, so just thinking about him playing video games and the easy ways that kids can potentially fall victim to cyber threat actors who are posing as, you know, other game players, et cetera, on these video games that all have chat functionality and interactive gameplay online. Um, how could I tell him, or remind him to keep an eye out for these things in a very simple way that he would remember and be excited about to tell his friends or tell me, hey, mom, I saw this particular thing happen on my video game and I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it really makes him proud of itself. So, so that's where I came up with the idea and just a lot of the interactions that I've had with him and discussions <laughs> pulling from those experiences and including. That's awesome. We'll, we'll be sure to include the link to that, that book when the episode comes out. And um, I'm, I'm curious too, you know, in terms of educating, you know, our the next generation around cyber threats, do, do you feel, and as a parent, like, do you feel like enough is being done in schools? Like how, how can schools do a better job of bringing cyber awareness, you know, as, as part of, you know, ongoing curriculum? Like, like we have financial literacy and reading literacy. Where do we bring in cyber literacy in terms of, um, like I said, you know, future generations? I think it's getting better than it used to be. So we definitely see more um, schools and districts incorporating technology education. Um, everyone's using tablets and computers and so forth. But there is an element specifically around that cyber hygiene that I think is lacking. And so going out and evangelizing that in the community. Um, as an individual or as part of your organization, talking um, to different educators in the community and explaining simple ways um, that they can incorporate that into their lesson plans. There's also a number of free resources that we can get out there, um, even through like children's books, for example. It's an easy way to kind of get that in there um, into the libraries and, and things like that to educate the children as early on as possible um, so that they're staying safe, you know, anytime they're having an interaction online. Um, but also so that they become interested in cybersecurity as a potential career field um, as they grow up. So we're getting into the younger and younger ages where we're uh, reaching out and um, educating school-age children on cybersecurity and what the possibilities are um, for them in a career um, as they get older. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for all the amazing uh, work you're doing there, Michelle. I think that's absolutely just so empowering and just, just absolutely amazing. Um, I have one last question because I think we're almost at time. Um, but um, going back more so, uh, shifting away from kids, <laughs> going back to businesses and cybersecurity and the whole notion too of, you're talking about the Fusion Center concept where that's trying to promote information sharing. Um, right now, you know, we still see organizations that will maybe have a data breach, but they won't, unless they're compelled by legislation, maybe they won't say anything, right? They'll try and sweep it under the rug. How do we sort of, collectively move in a direction where we encourage organizations to be more open about sharing, you know, if they had a data breach, you know, sharing what transpired, um, just so you know, collectively, if we can learn more about this um, and we have more data points, then hopefully we're able to do a better job about sort of predicting uh, and preventing against certain cyber attacks. How, what do you think is the right messaging to help people sort of, like I said, move, remove that stigma of, oh, we got breached and be more open to, to, to sharing? I think public policy is very important when it comes to reducing the stigma um, and allowing folks to come forward with um, 
incidents that they've experienced or that there are or other organizations have experienced because they don't have fear of a certain level of repercussions. Now, certainly if it has to do with a due diligence or lack thereof and, you know, so forth, that's a, a different problem. But I think if we advocate from a public policy perspective, we get out on Capitol Hill and this is globally as well with um, regulators around the world, um, you know, helping them understand what true cybersecurity incidents are, because right now I think that that's a bit ambiguous. So you have people um, in the government who think cybersecurity incident, but something could be incredibly small, but sound really scary when you use the words to describe it. And so educating them on that terminology, what a severity, a severe incident actually is, different severity levels, advocating for that and making sure that that's integrated into legislation and helping, um, you know, build that safe forum for organizations to come forward and say, I had a cyber attack, I reported it with the next time, it met the specific criteria, and there's a reduced fear of any type of retaliation or, I'm sorry, repercussion. Um, from that perspective. But again, that doesn't remove the um, necessity for due diligence and so forth and, and doing the best you can to secure your organization. Sure. Uh, well, Michelle, thank you so much for taking time of your busy schedule to join us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Uh, just the wisdom, the uh, uh, the insight, um, and just talking about the, your children's book too. I think it was just, just a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Thank you so much, Michelle. And Chris and I will be right back to wrap up today's episode. This week's episode of Cybersecurity Matters is brought to you by TELUS Business. Did you know that 98% of organizations believe that properly securing the cloud is more difficult than on-premise environments? In part, this may be because so many organizations approach cloud security with an on-premise mentality, even though their own cloud security presents its own unique challenges. Now, to help support Canadian organizations on their cloud security journey, TELUS has released the TELUS Canadian Cloud Security Study. It's based on real data from over 500 Canadian organizations and shares actionable insights and recommended best practices for securing your cloud environment. To get your free copy, visit telus.com slash cloud security study. Telus Business, cybersecurity that works for you. That was a really uh, interesting conversation with Michelle. Uh, I mean, for me, I really like the, the work that she's doing, trying to evangelize and bring forward the whole notion of cyber literacy for children sure. and younger generations. So just tremendous Great. work that she's doing there. But what was one of your key takeaways? Yeah, I think, you know, we're talking about her perspective when it comes to correlating the causes of breaches mm -hmm. in, the, in the fusion center and sharing information yep. and the key insight of human, human error, humans being, what did she say? Uh, humans bring uh, risk. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even read my what I, what I wrote there. Humans bring something risk, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So if she's saying that, it's a it's probably a factor in most cases that she's seeing. So yeah. quite uh, quite something. Yeah, very interesting conversation. I want to thank Michelle uh, for joining us on the podcast today, and extend a special thank you as we do each and every week to our loyal listeners and viewers who join us. And if you did happen to miss an episode, you can check previous episodes on the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page or listen to one on your preferred podcasting platform. Until next time, be well, be safe. We'll see you again sometime in the future on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. <laughs>